0: podcast for CSF I'm Paige and this is Derek our resident theologian whatever that means nothing (laughs) nobody knows what it means but he does that's all that matters that's the best part no one knows what it means well anyways so we're gonna dive into week three which is where we've been in the Psalms now for two weeks this is our third week in the Psalms where were we last week Derek
1: Last This is going to be a, this is a tough act to follow, because last week was Psalm 23, mm. the beloved Psalm, yep. the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, so we're still in the Psalms, so that helps. And so there's some consistency here in the style that we're reading, but very different themes that show up in Psalm 73 than show up in Psalm 23, so about 50 chapters later. Mm-hmm. But if you want a refresher about the Psalms... Yeah, you can go back and listen to the podcast or check out the Leader's Guide. Uh, But in general, as you probably already know, the Psalms are a collection of psalms or prayers or hymns to God. And what I really like about the Psalms is they all are so different and Mm -hmm. so rich. And so Psalm 73 is just a lot different in tone. And feeling than Psalm 23. And some of the other Psalms also just express very different emotions, which give us Christians a wide variety to um, to be able to express ourselves in the Psalms, to find connections to our own life experiences in the Psalms. So it's really just a beautiful book. So yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, like maybe one of the Gospels. It's not Uh, a a linear historical narrative. So the fact that this is Psalm 73 uh, is not really all that important when compared to Psalm 23. It's not like there's a chronological uh, connection here, but yeah, still in the Psalms, Mm -hmm. just a very different one.
0: Yeah, Psalm 23 to me feels like almost like a children's book. Like it's taking you on a journey, like a grand adventure with the Lord and how sweet it is. And I shall not want. And I, you make me lie down in green pastures and it's, it is like a gift of peace. Whereas I think there is a stark difference between 23 and 73, 73 almost feels like a, a tantrum a little bit. Hmm. Like at first he's, or whoever wrote this is basically airing out his grievances about the, what he sees in the world around him. But then it's like this revelation at the end of, oh, wait, no, I, it is good for me to be near the Lord actually. So why don't we dive into that? Like, is there anything about the context of Psalm 73 that we need to know before diving into it? Or yeah, just anything that we need to know before really studying it?
1: Yeah, no, not really. Um, A lot of the context behind the Psalms we we don't really have, or we don't Mm -hmm. know exactly what struggles the psalmist has in mind whenever um, he's writing. So yeah, I, I think... To just think about historical context to the Psalms is to kind of miss the point. It's more of a, an emotional expression about mm-hmm. where someone is in that given time and place. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 73, I think, expresses something that a lot of us have probably felt to one extent or another. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have any like historical context that I think would be especially useful.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, even I think I've spoken on or found in the Psalms these past couple of years that they, have matched my, like, emotional state better than even my own prayers that I could come up with. Like, they've almost given me language to describe what I'm feeling. And it's like, God called these holy as well. He was like, I want these things in my scriptures. Like, Mm -hmm. so especially with Psalm 73, I feel that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is the Psalms has been called the prayer book of the church mm-hmm. and it's historically just and, just, and this is how the church has traditionally used the Psalms there's been a consistent practice of going back to the Psalms it being consistent part of the church's prayer life of individuals prayer lives of actually praying the Psalms mm-hmm. at, for ourselves. And I think that is a really good practice. If you want to get into the Psalms, one way to do it is to to pray it yourself as if it is your own prayer, yeah. and yeah, and, and and to see Jesus in it. And so yeah. I think Bible Bible studies can sometimes get a little bit too caught up in well, here's the historical context, here's you know what this Greek word or this Hebrew word says, but I think the best place to start is where do we see Jesus in this, and how is this an expression of what's going on in my mm. own life?
0: So. With that in mind, then, what would be the prayer of Psalm 73? Like, what is it saying? And then how does it point to Jesus then?
1: Yeah, there are several, I think, different themes. Uh, So I don't know, but sometimes your Bible might have a little subtitle. Mm -hmm. The one mine says is a plea for relief from oppressors. And the thread that runs throughout the Psalm is the wicked are prospering mm-hmm. and i am not mm-hmm. and that seems unjust yeah that's i think what's really at the heart of the psalm what the psalmist is torn up about and again there are other themes about prosperity and how to achieve prosperity what it means to live a good and upright life what it what it means to follow god but yeah really at the at the heart of it is um Frustrated expectations that Mm -hmm. if I'm following God faithfully, why does it seem like I don't get the things that I want, what seem even like good things, not even from necessarily a selfish perspective, but these seem like they should be good things, and yet I'm not getting them, and here the wicked are Mm -hmm. um, just enjoying their lives and getting what they want. Yeah. So there's this imbalance, this injustice.
0: Mm. That's so relatable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Like,
0: I just see so much of my own heart in this first half of the psalm of, like, why do they get to prosper? They seem to have no cares in the world. They just go out and they live their life with seemingly no conviction. They wear pride as their necklace. You know, they seem to be doing so well. And here I am with all the conviction in the world because of the Lord and it feels like such a heavy weight. But there's that, that switch into what I think points to Jesus, like how this verse does point to Jesus because he, the psalmist switches almost immediately and says like, but when I thought how to understand all this, like the wicked prospering, It seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Um, And then he goes on to say, Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I Mm -hmm. just think that idea of like, I could have nothing and still have everything. And I almost forgot that. I feel like the psalmist has that dawning moment of like, I almost forgot that I actually do have everything, even if it doesn't seem like that on the outside.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because when I gave the synopsis of the psalm or talked about that thread running Mm -hmm. through, I didn't mention that, that it ends with... A recognition that, yeah. yes, even though it seems as if the wicked prosper, they actually do not. Yeah. And the path yeah. that they're on is a path to destruction. Mm-hmm. And the, the only path to true prosperity, to true righteousness, is through Jesus.
0: Yeah, because the very last line says, or the two, last two verses says, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I might tell of all your works. Mm-hmm. And we can just go into the campus connection there. Like, even though like, obviously, I mean, I remember when I was in school, it was so hard to see all the people like living in, party culture and hookup culture. And like, honestly, I was really tempted by that stuff and lived in it for a period of time. And I would almost get jealous of like, man, they just get to do whatever they want. They don't have to steal themselves from anything. You know, like they just follow their desires. They get what they want. They see it. They do it. They grab it, you know? Mm-hmm. But that last, the last line of this of like, but as for me, it is good to be near the mm-hmm. Lord. Like because and so now I'm gonna go and tell of all your works. Like people don't know that they are choosing the lesser way. Yeah, they don't know that there's another option, but to be controlled by your flesh, and that's so sad.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I also think it's a good. I don't know if warning is the right word, but I want to say warning to some Christians, who and this this is a common experience. I I had this experience in college where either you meet Jesus in college or maybe, you know, your faith kind of becomes your own. And there's this excitement, you know, there's that uh, quote, and there's no zeal like the zeal of a convert, like a fresh, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a fresh conversion. God has done a fresh thing in my Mm -hmm. life and I'm excited about it and I'm ready and I'm fired up and I come to Synergy and we sing exciting songs and jumping around and having a great time with all these new friends I'm meeting at CSF. But Sooner or later, you realize that the Christian life can be really difficult. Mm. And I think a lot of college students do have that experience that after that initial rush of excitement about what God's doing, maybe a year, maybe two years, and yeah, you start to look around and see yeah. uh, the way that other people live, and it seems like they're doing pretty well. It seems like they're enjoying yeah. life, and and sometimes you, you're you wrestling with, uh, with just... The difficulty of um, of trying to of trying to follow Jesus like that yeah. that can be difficult. Let's yeah. just say it how it is, and we're not we're not guaranteed to just have complete emotional satisfaction. Now, I don't want people to hear me say that following Jesus isn't fulfilling because I think it absolutely is. But part of the point of this psalm is that that fulfillment might look different yeah. than we think it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes. We're following Jesus and we're blessed, and it seems like we get everything our heart desires these good and beautiful things. And we walk in intimacy with God, and it's wonderful. But there are many times where the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And I actually think ultimately, the way of Jesus has to be the way of the cross for everyone, no mm-hmm. matter what it is, no matter who the person is. And sometimes that's just very apparent in people's lives, that the, the kind of life that they live is one of consistently dying to themselves. And ultimately, though, the promise is, and this is the promise of this psalm, and this, you, you know, one of the sections of the leader's guide is the gospel glimpse. And I think you absolutely should re- see the gospel in this psalm, that the way of the cross is ultimately the way of resurrection that mm-hmm. the, and the way of... And any other way is ultimately the way of destruction. And on campus, we see a lot of that any other way, however that, whatever that looks like. Because mm-hmm. you know, I, I think what you said is the more extreme example of people that are partying and seem to be having a fun, uh, just a good time and they don't just seem to not have a care in the world. Of course, I think many of those people's experiences are not what it would maybe seem on mm-hmm. the outside, that there is there, there can be a hollowness there. But you think of even in like more minor cases of like I don't know, getting good grades, right? So like if, you, if you're if you just busting your butt out there to get a good grade and hustling and you get a C on the test and then someone else uh, who doesn't try cheats and mm-hmm. gets an A, like there just seems to be something really unjust and frustrating about that. Yeah. But I think most of us would recognize in this situation, like it's still better to take your C. You worked hard. You should be proud that you worked hard. And even though there's the short-term prosperity that we know there's long-term satisfaction and fulfillment and having integrity. Um, And that's just like a micro example of what following Jesus might look like. Right. But that's what the Psalms trying to convey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's almost a better example of like a true injustice. Cause you're right. Like there is an emptiness in party culture. And even though if it looks exciting and fun and carefree on the outside, If you've ever been inside there, you know, the downfalls that it has. Whereas someone cheating on a test, what's, there's seemingly no downfall, Mm -hmm. but wisdom says you don't actually get the knowledge though. You're not growing any knowledge. You're just getting a stamp of an A and not growing better for it, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but to the outside, it looks like they're prospering and not having to work for it. But yeah, that's a good example. But I wonder, Like, do you see any ways that this psalm can be read that would create red flags in a group or like ways that you could argue in an opposite way?
1: Yeah, there are some passages that I think you can, as, as, you know, with, with most, um, scripture passages, if you take them out of context, you can read some, some pretty strange thing into them. I mean, even just the very first verse, truly God is good to the upright, to those who are pure in heart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you will read a verse like that, or, um, something like, uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah, where we read that, you know, for, I know Jeremiah 29, 11, sorry, uh, that for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans, plans to prosper, uh, to give you hope for a future. And I think, I'm not the curmudgeon who's going to say like, oh, that's written to Israel and not to us. I think that that absolutely is still something God is speaking into our lives. But I do think we have to tune our expectations along with what Jesus says and in that the way of following Jesus is the way of the cross and the way mm-hmm. of death. And there is in contemporary Christianity some tendency to see... Uh, to take this first verse out of context and read something into it that's what's today is known as the prosperity gospel. And there mm-hmm. are some famous preachers who make bukus of money because they tell people what they want to hear, which yeah. is, if you really love Jesus, you'll get that big uh, car and that big house, and you'll have the the perfect family, right? And
0: always be secure and
1: Yeah, safe and- yeah. And there'll, there'll be emotional sadness. And, and so I think... Most of us recognize that as, you know, the financial security as, okay, that is crazy, right? Of course, Jesus doesn't promise financial security. Jesus himself was, was poor and um, lived amongst poor people and, and told the rich man to sell everything he had, right? So this is not the life Jesus is promising anyone. And, but I think sometimes we do creep in to a more emotional prosperity gospel where we mm. expect life to be easy, and that it's going to just be fun all the time following Jesus. And we won't have to worry about real difficult trials.
0: Or even if trials come, you're going to feel good about it. Yeah. Even still. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like taking away all negative feelings, even if bad things come. I think people can still believe that too.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's right. Yeah. Just because you follow Jesus, there. I think there is a kind of ultimate... Um, fulfillment and satisfaction in that mm-hmm. and that, that you know say something like the death of a loved one i mean certainly i would i would think i feel um i don't feel the pain of that as much as someone that doesn't love jesus because i'm i feel i i can rest assured that um there will be a final resurrection and that we'll meet again right but i th- i think that's right that there's still this we have to, to reckon with the fact that, I mean, Jesus himself said it, that in this world you will have troubles, and we can take heart knowing that he's overcome the world, but we're, we're, we're essentially promised troubles, and that's been true of the history of Christianity, certainly that um, many, many times Christians have um, been the object of persecution or derision, and that's sometimes what the way of Jesus looks like. Yeah. and and we need to face that and recognize that that there that we don't have emotional satisfaction is not promised short-term kind of happiness is not promised but thanks to this i mean we thanks to the promise of scripture that we see reflected really well here in the psalm is that there there is ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment in the way of Jesus and there's ultimate um destruction in the in any other way
0: yeah that's a really great lens into how this connects to Jesus and all old Testament scripture points to Jesus and the resurrection, but also like this being specifically a wisdom literature, like what would you say is the wisdom here? Like that if we're studying the wisdom literature, you know, what's the wisdom of Psalm 73?
1: I think the wisdom would be, I mean, the first one, which is kind of the obvious Sunday school answer, but sometimes those are the best answers, is to follow Jesus and be assured in that even when you find troubles in this world, right? Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, Mm -hmm. is this is the best way. And we don't follow it because we'll be rewarded one day, but... There is the promise of ultimate satisfaction. The second piece of wisdom I think is don't let yourself and this is difficult uh, very difficult sometimes don't let yourself be bothered by the prosperity of the wicked. Mm. It's easy to to look on other people with envy uh, when we see someone else succeeding even especially I mean, it's especially true when, when, you know, they're not working as hard as you. Yeah. And again, I, I, t- I like to think of like the micro examples. So the, the person cheating on the test, or maybe it's at your job, like you're, you know, you're, you're working really hard in the back and your boss doesn't see you, but your, your fellow employee, you know, slacks off a lot, does kind of one good thing in front of the boss, and then they get their promotion over you as like an example, uh, and the reason I like focusing on those is because I think that's where the the seeds of vice and sin are really mm-hmm. sown, is how we respond to those little things that happen in our lives. And do we let them fester? Mm-hmm. Are we um, just kind of unable to move on? But I think just like praying the psalm is maybe a good place to start of, yeah. of recognizing that, no, I am on the right path and I'm doing the right thing. And that's what matters.
0: Yeah. That's so good too. And like the wisdom of praying the Psalms too, that like mm-hmm. these prayers, although they seem like they shouldn't be in the Bible, like they don't, it doesn't seem holy to like air out your grievances or like be that honest to God. Yeah. But the fact yeah. is that it is. And like the way that you deal with the prosperity of the wicked or suffering in your life is that honesty with God. Let him hear it. Write your own psalm, even. Mm-hmm. Like, if you find yourself in a hard time right now or something that you can't even have words for, like, let God write a psalm for you and let that be your prayer. Like, just get as honest as possible with God. Let him, let him know. And then you end in the place that this psalmist ended into of, like, mm-hmm. it is good for me to be near God. Like, I can be here secure and fully seen and fully known and fully loved. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love good. this psalm so much. So good. <laughs> if you it's can't so tell,
1: Paige said this is her favorite psalm. So it is
0: one of yeah, one of them for sure. So I'm I'm stoked that we're studying it in our groups. Um, I'll definitely be getting my girls to maybe write their own psalms. I think that could be a good practical, um, activity that you guys do through yep. studying this wisdom literature. But
1: and the psalms are good too. Just as a quick uh, note before we end. Yeah. Another good practice, and this is true of any any of the psalms they're, they're almost, it's almost like they're made to be memorized. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are kind of like s- songs that can get kind of stuck in your head and heart. Yeah. And so, yeah, encourage your, even if it's just a few lines or if even a verse, encourage your students uh, to memorize scripture. I think it's mm-hmm. a, a, it's a really good, this is especially good. I mean, it's, it's good. Obviously it's scripture. It's good whether you're in the gospels or Paul or wherever, but the Psalms just really invite it. So I think that's another good kind of practical challenge point for yeah. students.
0: Well, we hope this was helpful for you guys. If you have any more questions about this psalm or want to tell us how your groups go, let us know. Um, We hope this blessed you guys. And yeah, stay tuned for next week.